Hello and welcome to Alchemy, the home of the open mind. If you find value in what we do, feel free to donate. You'll find the relevant buttons and links on our website. And thank you to anyone who does. Alchemy. This week's guest is making his second appearance on Alchemy. And I'm very excited to have what I have no doubt will be another enlightening conversation. Crow777 is back. Crow, how are you? Hey, man, thanks so much for having me. Hope all's well in, uh, in your part of the crazy world. Yeah, well, big greetings from the Emerald Isle here in Ireland to the Isle of Road over the water. So <laughs> I think it's equally crazy here. And obviously, we're going to touch on what's going on on both sides of the water and all around the world. We're not going to escape the elephant in the room, which is obviously the beer bug, to use the term that you coined. What's it like in Rhode Island and the States right now? Well, I think Jason actually coined that, but to to get straight to the point here, um, a lot of what's driving this is population numbers, as you can tell, and Rhode Island is the smallest state by a long shot. Mm. As a matter of fact, where I used to live in San Diego, you could fit four Rhode Islands in San Diego County. Um, So in some ways, we've felt a lot less than other places in terms of the kind of draconian um, things that we see going on, Uh, but... It's, I mean, let's face it, there are Lord knows how many people that have been a couple months now without a paycheck. Um, Food is probably short for some of these people. Uh, They may have lost their jobs. If they're running small businesses, we may be seeing small businesses that may never come back as they were. It is, uh, I think it's safe to say that a year from now, uh, we will be living in a world that does not resemble the world that we just came from. I think you're absolutely right, and we're seeing that firsthand here, and we will look to the future in a little while. But, Crow, how do you think we got to where we are? How has this happened? Well, anyone who's followed me since I've done the podcast, there are very few episodes that we're not pre-announcing this. Um, Almost everything that we addressed was an undercurrent that was easily detectable by a mind who is not completely enveloped by the systems of our age. And let me let me preface that that's not it's not an easy thing to be free we all have to pay bills now we all have to participate in systems uh, many of these systems by design uh, leave us about a third of our life right we work for a third we sleep for a third that third of life that we can call ours on some level is then infringed on with i need my license renewed i need taxes, just all the things that go with it. So the average person trying to stay alive in the current world has precious few hours they can call their own. And basically that translates to many lives out there that have no idea about the things that we cover. And that's what we've tried to do. We've tried to bridge the gap. We've tried not to be too conspiratorial or or thing. We've tried to demonstrate with verifiable research what we saw coming. And let me tell you something, so many people used to just pop in and say, oh, you're a conspiracy guy. You're, you know what? These same people are coming back 
and saying, I had no idea. They're going back to episode five, episode 20. I mean, we're up in the 200s now. Mm. And they're saying, how did you know? Um, and I just say it was not hard to see if you have some portion of your life, you can call your own and you pay attention. And it is really about higher mindedness, isn't it? Because when I look around at, say, just my group of friends here or people that I know quite well, it's very easy to pick. And it's not with hindsight. All along, it's been very easy to pick those that actually want to access higher knowledge versus those that don't and just want creature comforts, if you like. I, I know people always come back to the red pill, the blue pill, the matrix analogy, but it really is that. And there's almost a schism now emerging very, very quickly between those that just want to keep the eyes closed and embrace the new normal with heavy use of inverted commas there versus those that are actually starting to think, hang on a minute, something is actually going on. This just doesn't have the ring of truth. It doesn't feel right. Are you experiencing the same thing? Yeah, it's uh, it's quite astonishing. And, you know, I mark the big awakening when the human consciousness started to try to really rise sometime around the millennium. The big world events that happened uh, hurried a lot of people on that road. But what we have noticed is that it's a bit like being in the ocean, even if you can swim, but you've got a life preserver. Now, you can swim. You don't have to have life preserver, but letting go of that life preserver is scary for everybody. Hmm. And um, it's a bit like that. But on top of it, there's a new spiritual component um, in in the modern world that's driven by science. It's very materialistic and the spiritual component has been separated out. And so when people begin to realize that human beings by necessity have a spiritual side of being a living human being and they start to pursue that, um, that's when they are confronted, I think, with a lot of the things that they're going to have to take out on. And it comes down to are you going to hold on to the world you want to be true? Are you going to hold on to the world you're familiar with or do you want to know what's real? It's very interesting you say that because one thing that we're all noticing, and it's very hard to escape if we speak to anybody, is how people who are essentially under house arrest all around the world are spending their time. And for a huge number of people, it's Netflix this, Disney plus that, etc., etc., etc. And it's that black box in the corner of the room. I've noticed that even though people can't, say, go to a gig anymore, and my, my profession is music, so I mean, my livelihood has been pretty much wiped out overnight in terms of that. I, I make music as well, so I'm still busy being creative in that way. But despite the end of so much entertainment for God knows how long that will be, if some of it ever comes back again, we are seeing the attachment to screens being ramped up and ramped up and ramped up. And it brings us into entertainment because it's almost like the entertainment and I know you've had a recent episode on entertainment and, and exactly what it is and what it does. It's become more and more overt. It's like they're no longer leaving breadcrumbs or clues for us. It's just right there in our faces. It's almost like we're being laughed at by those that are doing the programming. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, we've become very infantile and people don't want to admit this, but you can go back to the 1800s and you can see how much higher minded, even in that short period of time, look at the quality of the furniture, look at the average educated person, what they were educated in, classic educations, maybe even spoke a number of languages so they could read the classic myths in Greek, say, um, we've come far from these places. And so what's happened is, well, I paid for one movie in recent memory, a 
couple, two, three years ago now, I think, and that was Ready Player One. And the reason was, is I was aware of the book and I was aware of what it was doing. Uh, it's pre-announcing where we're headed here. Uh, Ready Player One is a bit like the Truman Show, but the truth of the matter is hard for a lot of people to begin to wrap their heads around. If you're watching a lot of TV, you're being processed, hmm. and it really doesn't matter how much higher-minded or awake, I don't even like that term, it's more like aware, we are so far from awake, myself included. Trying to become awake is a better way. Um, but that box uh, programs you, it processes you. And there are so many things that we've covered that shows what it does to your brainwaves, what the content is doing, how even simple things like certain key phrases or like a movie like The Wizard of Oz is constantly processing you into the illusory world um, that we are headed for if people allow it. And the screen attachment, it doesn't take much for anyone to go out on any given day, drive out in the world, actually maybe when the world gets back to a little more normal and people are actually out in the world mm -hmm. and just watch how many people have no idea there's a world around them. Their faces are glued to screens. Um, it's this kind of prep up for a transhuman existence that really does resemble something like a Ready Player One world. And for anyone who hasn't seen Ready Player One or read the book, I highly recommend it. I hadn't heard of it, Crow, until you recommended it on your show. And I read the book and then watched the movie as well. And I'll be honest, it frightened me because we're on the cusp of that. And for those ha that haven't, very briefly, it's, it's almost like a dystopian future whereby everybody lives their lives in a virtual reality. And it's attachment to screens on steroids. But we are seeing the stages and it's rapidly escalating before our eyes as people move towards that. It's just incredible because I can see a future personally, and I hope this isn't the case, but I really think it will be, where a great, great majority of people will live their lives on an almost avatar-based system and we will have social crediting scores and we'll have China in our own backyards. And I don't mean that in any kind of disparaging way towards Chinese people, but I mean the system that's in place that almost seems to have been put there as a test bed or an experimenting ground or the place marker for the way the rest of the world will go. And we're seeing now the expansion of social crediting. I think, I think Australia may already have it. And they do. That terrifies me personally, because that's something that I cannot consent to, that I cannot be a part of. And it leaves me wondering, well, well what is the future going to be like? What do you think it's going to be like, Crow? Uh, I think we're going to get what we deserve, basically, and this is going to be problematic because of the generation people like to call millennials. I'm not a big fan of that, but with the generation that's come on recently, they never knew the analog age. They have no idea what we gave up um, and what the world was before the digital onslaught. But in the book Ready Player One, um, a good example of what I was just illustrating is an educated person, a person who knows things, is simply a person who can recall any bit of entertainment. Who played Fonzie? What year did this TV show come out? Um, can you remember back to Gilligan's Island? That is the measure, the mark, and the value of knowing um, in that society. And we already see, I mean, you can go go look at, a, at something as banal as Jeopardy, the television show Jeopardy. Mm. If you compare a 90s episode to now, what you will find is what passes for knowledge on Jeopardy. A lot of it is entertainment. Who was the actor in this? What movie was that? 
um, all these things constantly being seeded in. This is not knowledge. See, this is this is the big divide. The younger generation has been brought in to accept that it is important to know about the Marvel universe, about this, about that. But this is not knowledge. And one of the things that Jason and I on Crow Triple Seven Radio have done for a long time is tried to show the importance of what was called a classical education, which basically for the most part includes the old Greek and then after the fact Roman myths. Because they told every story that's tellable, mostly, in a, in a human condition. And what's happening in all these world events is those narratives, those archetypes, are continually retold. We told the story of CNN, how CNN came to be. Yeah. And that is a verbatim archetype of the old myth of truth down the well. The problem is, is that the modern mind, never having been exposed to the myths, never having had a classic education, can't possibly put one and one together. And so you, you are fooled by the narrative because you don't understand at the basis of the narrative, there's an archetype and that archetype holds the truth. And in the case of CNN, how many people understood that they were reenacting at the launch of CNN's big push for world domination? Um, they were pushing the truth, Althea or, uh, or Veritas down the well. And what's even worse is on the backside of that narrative, they put a small blurb into the media that the supposed baby down the well had had part of the foot amputated. You would have had to have known the classic Greek story to understand that what came back out of the well was not truth. It was the opposite of truth. And this is where we find ourselves. And the further that we get into this entertainment narrative where the mind accepts that a, well, a, a person who knows things about entertainment, in fact, knows things, uh, we're going to be in, in big trouble. Because there is an actual real world where nature rules. There is no lie in nature. And for people who have religion, you could view nature as godly. It is perfect in its delivery. There is no lie. You will never have to question ever a thing you see in nature. It is true on the face of it. And when we get over into all the man-made entertainment, I think for the most part, the opposite is true. And I think the fact that people have been so conditioned into that opposite or that inversion is key to the success of what's going on around us now. I mean, we're hearing all these inverted terms, these Orwellian terms isolate together and all this absolute, complete claptrap, which actually makes my hair stand on end at times. And I wonder how can people constantly repeat that? Do they not actually hear that they are echoing Orwell's war is peace and freedom is slavery. It's the exact it's same speak, thing. Right. It is. It's Newspeak. Exactly. And it's quite remarkable just to see it in action and to see how because people place value in pop culture above actually thinking for themselves or learning or remembering how to think for themselves, that the inversion is truth for them. I hear this term a lot being bandied about, which is my truth. And it's something that I, I take personal exception to. The reason being and you alluded to it there. There's no lie in nature. The truth is the truth. It's an absolute. It's irrelevant how many people decide to take it on board or believe it because it's not about belief. The truth just is. Whereas it's like opinion has trumped truth in this modern age whereby everybody's entitled to their opinion, yes, but nobody can dare question an opinion because if you dare question an opinion, it doesn't matter if what you're questioning is based in truth or grounded in knowledge, somebody's going to be offended. And to me, it's anti-human, it's anti-humanity, this whole social distancing thing. 
stay away because you're going to kill your neighbour, you're going to kill your grandmother, your grandfather, whatever it is. And people really not open their eyes and see that that's not what's happening. That's, again, anti-nature, anti-humanity. We're humans. We're a part of nature. We're not separate from it. And we're meant to remain a part of nature as opposed to seeing it as something external to us. Well, I'll I'll take it a step further than that. Uh, What's been lost track of in this age of self-centeredness, the selfie is a perfect example of the self-centered age we get in, which makes everything you just described possible. It requires an individual to become self-centered. What's actually true about this place is every human being has the divine spark. The truth of this place we call the world is that it was made for us. We are the apex caretakers of this place. And we have the potential to be integrally tied to the natural world, to the godly world, for lack of better terms, for perfection and truth, because that's what the world of nature shows us. Uh, What's actually happened is over many decades now, we've been programmed, we've been processed, we've been herded, and we've become very self-centered. And that's how you can be convinced that touching another human being might cause their death. But at the root of all of it, and I'll be blunt, um, the foundation for everything that's about to happen is your cell phone. That smartphone in your pocket without it, all this goes away. Not possible. And what's happened in China, very few people understand that social credits via cell phone are already there. But that was all invented in Silicon Valley in California in the summer of 97. It was shipped over to China where a communist regime could implement it. And then it started porting back. And that was a poke in the eye too. First place that we heard of that it came back to in the West was Darwin, Australia, poking you in the eye to let you know the evolution, hint, 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 Mm. of this technocracy was coming back. Um, and I think Sydney was was queued up. But the point is, is that that cell phone, it tracks you. It gives every bit of data about your life to people who will then use it. And that's a fact. And it doesn't it's like truth. It doesn't matter whether you want to accept it or not. It's happening for over five years. I have been telling people what data collection does. Data collection is black magic. It gives someone the ability to predict the future to a 98 or a 99% certainty. That data that they have collected on you gives someone in this world the ability to know things like the exact moment you will die, where your geography will be when it happens, and what it is that killed you. And for the average mind, they think that's a bridge too far. I don't accept it, but it doesn't matter. And if you do want to know some things that are true, then know this. The totality of Vegas was built on two concepts, the wisdom of the crowd and the law of high numbers. And these are such low level kind of infantile versions of what mass data collection gives. And what these things did was showed them how to build data, a, a Vegas where the house always wins and they never had to worry about it. Um, but what's happened now is as of 1999, I think the first time I ever became aware of it. The CEO of Sun Microsystems came on and he informed the entire world that privacy no longer exists. No one believed him, but he told the truth. That was 1999. What he was saying is, you know, all these handy things we gave you like free email and free this and free YouTube and free that. Well, what we've done, which he didn't really spell out, was we collected every bit 
of data about you. Recently, I was able to see what's called my permanent record with some of the contacts I now have in the world. And they don't know a damn thing about me before 2001. And the reason for that is, is because I don't have a Facebook account and I never will. There is a Crow 777 Facebook account that Rose and Jason runs, but it has nothing to do with the living man Crow. Mm. It just covers what we've done. But from 2001 forward, everything I had ever done was a known quantity. And the thing about data that people should understand is when you go to mine data, theoretically, if the data set is large enough, uh, what you can do with it is magical. I mean literally magical. And the data set that is collected every day now could be said to be infinite, and that's just today. By the way, there's more data on the way tomorrow. And everyone's giving it up as quickly as they can. They're telling on Facebook what they're doing today, what they did yesterday, where they ever worked, every human being they've ever known, and then they communicate with them to confirm those lines. There is a map of humanity that has been given away that is more complete than at any other time. And by the way, before I hand it back to you, I'll point out that in the book Dune, it opens up talking about this one-to-one allegory, this make-believe world that is actually an allegory for the world we live in and how it's run. In that storyline, the Bene Gesserit witches are, of course, the Jesuit order, Mm -hmm. just swap genders and a little bit of obfuscation going on there. But at the beginning of that tale, you're told about a thing called the Butlerian Jihad, which is never fully explained. But what it is, I guess, is where we are. So the whole story of Dune is sometime in the future, having left where we are now. The Butlerian Jihad is all about a galaxy-wide war that was fought over thinking machines, or basically computers. At the end of that fictitious war it was illegal to have thinking machines of course the people in charge kept them Um, but how was it that someone in the 50s could have peered so accurately into our future and understood where we were headed Um, this plan's been unfolding for more than a century anyhow that's extremely interesting because if you think of a human being as someone with the potential to be a thinker not a thinking machine per se Isn't it interesting to notice how censorship is essentially the making illegal of thinking machines? And we're seeing that happening every single day of the week now to, I mean, ridiculous levels. You have been a victim of that over and over again uh, to the point where it, it became almost impossible for you at one point to get your message out there. And thankfully, that's not the case anymore. But you had to take some fairly extreme measures um, and really kind of uproot what you were doing just to be able to get your message out there to the world again. Can you describe that, what happened and how you've managed to kind of circumvent that for now? Well, in the fall of 2017, censorship came into the daylight and I woke up one day and for a lunar wave video that I did not even shoot, Uh, that was running on my channel, they gave me the third strike and they deleted my YouTube presence, which had, I don't know, 100,000 or more people on it at the time. Um, And everyone said, oh, Crow, you need to set up another one. And I informed everybody that not only will I never set up another YouTube channel, um, I will walk away from this because I will not be party. I will not take a kick in the groin of that magnitude and then ask for another. Won't happen. Well, as fate would have it, Tons and tons of people complained. We don't know why. They put it back roughly three weeks later. But here's what happened. Here's what the mechanism behind that censorship was. 
the day before they took out my YouTube channel, if you searched Crow Triple Seven, you got 16 to 20 million returns. My content had been posted all over the world, and there were 16 to 20 million returns on a Google search. The day that they put my YouTube channel back, if you searched my name, there were 2,000 returns. To this day, whatever algorithm or process that was put in, in place to censor um, reduces returns, and it's all built on geography now. Still, you can put in the term lunar wave, since I'm the guy who accidentally discovered it, and you might get a million returns on lunar wave. If you add my name to the tail, in most places, that'll go down to a couple, two, three, four, five thousand, something like that, depending on geography. And so the wholesale control of information is what came to be, and people have no idea. They really don't. Um, to this day, for my ability to deliver research, factually based information as much as I can, 90% of it comes out of a book. I have library going back to the 1600s, maybe, anything I can get. And I try as mightily as I can to get things published before the date, hint, 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 1911. Mm. That's right about where I mark the modern edit beginning. And so Jason, the other half of this equation, and Rose, they do a lot online. But without my ability and my knowledge base going back free of digital concerns and my ability to have a library where I can research and, and bring things, we couldn't do what we, we did. But basically... All information online is controlled, and people even have no idea that if you want any semblance of a search return, you need to not be logged in. Just the simple act of being logged in, the algorithms as they're intended will begin to say, well, here's this person that we know all these things about. So what do we think is the best return most likely for this person, which is not a search return at all for those of us that can remember when the Internet was young, mm. when search returns came back fast and heavy. But there's the story of censorship in the modern era and what it actually did. And it reminds me of a phrase that's attributed to um, George R.R. R. Martin. And it's something along the lines of when you tear out a man's tongue, you're not proving him a liar. You're only telling the world what you fear he might say. I've heard a lot of people reference that over the last couple of weeks when they're, see they're seeing people being deplatformed online all the time. But I think there's a part that a lot of people don't necessarily get. There's almost an addendum to that. Certainly in my head there is anyway. And that's, it only matters if people are willing to listen in the first place. And it brings me to the question, like, who benefits? Kibono from this. So who is actually going to benefit from the future that's being laid out before our very eyes? Well, there's going to be a couple classes of human being. One will be infantile. One will be less. One will be heavily reduced, um, and I'm not just talking about what they know or don't know. Uh, there's also going to be physical measures that widen that gap that literally make people less, like Brave New World. Um, people, people, all these people in high school um, read Animal Farm, Brave New World, 1984, Lord of the Flies, and they never put together, why are we reading these books? Well, those are blueprints, mm. and if you go back to brave new world you'll see how birth is handled how different classes of people are formed and who benefits well some of the oldest families in the world that always had all the power that's who benefits um and by the way it's been a long time since cash was king cash hasn't been king for so long that there are people that are through college now um since cash has been king what's king now is data 
Data is Lord Bufu Emperor of this realm at this point. And so now you can ask again, how did that guy who wrote Dune, Frank Herbert, have any idea that uh, the idea of a Butlerian Jihad was even a critical idea? Um, but he did. And he's right. And here we are. And so what's happening now is the wholesale push for an idiocracy. And basically what it's going to come down to is there's going to be a push for fewer human beings of the lowest classes, which is you and me. Yeah. Um, and those lowest classes will not be well educated unless they educate themselves and there will be an onslaught. The food that they have access to will be diminished. The medical systems and the inoculations and everything comes will just be more steps to lower what a human being can be. And I will point out uh, in the research that I've done, here's, here's a thing to consider. All the way back in the 1400s when the Jesuits were going all around the world to Christian, you know, spread Christianity, some of those people were claimed to, to read and write fluently 14 languages. But here's the real kicker. It is claimed that they would go to a new part of the world, come in contact with a civilization that they had no idea about the language, and roughly less than five years, not only understand their language, but have produced a Bible, the Holy Bible, in that language. Or, in coupling with that, also taken that culture's language and done away with it and converted it over to a Christianified language base. Do you know anyone in the world who can speak 14 languages? If you go back to the 1800s, anyone with a classical education likely spoke Latin, Greek, and English minimally. Um, when I was in my 30s and 40s, I had friends that were in their 70s, all of which spoke English, Spanish, Greek and Latin because they'd gone to a Catholic education system when they were young. Mm. So when you compare that to what we have now, basically rap is the new music. Uh, they don't even speak English. Most people don't even speak one language now. Well, that's true. And I, my grandfather, I remember, could speak Irish, English, French, Greek and Latin fluently, just as an example. Whereas now people who are in their 20s can't speak English in the way that English is designed to be spoken, be it for better or for worse. And you mentioned rap music there, and it's very, very interesting because as somebody who has been similar to a previous guest on your show, Mark Devlin, and I've spoken to him on this show a couple of times about this, as somebody who can appreciate the art of hip-hop as opposed to modern rap per se, and they are completely different things... It is incredible to hear the language and the lingo that seems to have just been inserted over the last decade in particular into what now passes for hip-hop music, into general language and general parlance. Again, it's the lowering of the human mind through language, in my opinion. It baffled me at the start, but now I can see exactly what's at play here and why it's been done. And for anybody who's interested in looking at that side of things, Mark Devlin, I would certainly direct you to any or all of his books. He's, he's really, really good in that regard, or indeed his podcast. But how important do you think then the hijacking of music and popular music has been? And it doesn't have to be just limited to music. It can be extend to popular culture, Crow. Foundational. We've covered that the breaking and the drugging out of the human family started in the 60s. That was all based in music. Um, but in my lifetime, uh, we've had 
three real runs at lowering the human intellect. I was caught up in the first one. It was called punk rock. Mm. All of a sudden, we were listening to Led Zeppelin, which did have some complexity to it and did have some musicality. There were actually harmonies and melodies, um, whatever you want to say about that music. Uh, we all of a sudden got to punk rock, and I was in a punk rock band, and all of a sudden you were informed, you know what, if you know how to play three bar chords, you can make music now. There was the first big step down. Then we went through the 80s, and then they re-echoed with grunge, and they even they didn't even hide it in the names of the albums. The seminal punk rock album was the Sex Pistols, never mind the Bullocks, or Bollocks, I guess, as it's said in that part of the world. Mm. When we got up to grunge, it was never mind. They both, they spelled it slightly different, but it was showing you, we're going to do this again. And they turned and they lowered human minds again in a slightly different way, almost echoing punk rock, but that was followed closely by rap. And by the time rap had taken over, uh, at the time, a lot of it was gangster rap. So the self-centered nature and the kind of offensive ideas being seeded into the young minds where women became sexual objects, bitches and hoes to be rude. And I apologize to every woman listening that I even had to say that because it's disrespectful on a level that should have been unacceptable. But to couple it off, the only things that mattered were sex and money. But what's even worse is if you were to transcribe any of the music I just mentioned into sheet music and lay it next to something like Beethoven, there is the factual, undeniable representation of the lowering of human mind. The complexity is instantly lost. And in some of the forms of the music that started to really get a foothold in the 90s, there was no longer any melody or harmony. Can you even call a thing without melody or harmony uh, music, mm -hmm. I wonder? But to top it off... Um, it started to do this mind-lowering sampling, and people get upset when I say this, but I don't care. The human mind is creative, and to create is to try to bring something new, something slightly varied, something... When you just go back and grab music that's already been written and sample it in and re repackage it, that, in fact, is lowering the human mind, too. Um, it is abridging the creative spark of the human being, and a lot of people get upset um, when I explain how I view what's what's gone on in my lifetime, but I don't really think it's arguable that the human, the, the, the family unit as a whole was completely obliterated in the 60s. And with it came the drugging out of, I don't even know how many generations were, it's still happening. Um, that's when drugs were normalized on a big way. And the splitting of the American beacon, which was viewed in most of the world is the greatest at everything, whether or not that was even deserved. That view was there. But what they did, uh, basically, at JFK is where I start the open uh, kind of taking apart of America as an example of what everyone thought was the best and the brightest. One of the things that struck me, Crow, over the past month or two has been how deep things actually are, how deep-rooted the conditioning is. I have to be honest, I wasn't prepared for how readily people would march towards impending dystopia. I just, I, I thought that more people were to some degree aware, and I'm not saying I'm the most aware person out there. I mean, you mentioned you don't like the term awakening. I agree with you on that because I don't think any of us are fully awake. No. Um, those of us that are trying to wake ourselves up are on the right path, but I think a lot of people aren't even attempting. They're going the opposite way. So have you been struck in the same way? Were you pessimistic or optimistic? And has that changed over the past couple of months as we see the rollout of what is 
undoubtedly a long-term plan, but the quickening of that over the past kind of three months or so? Here's, here's how I view it. Um, if you want to get wrapped up and wring your hands, you're going to have a heart attack watching what's going on right now. Mm. If you want to step back and try to logically work out what's true, you'll go back to nature because nature will never show you a lie. And here's what's true. All created things will see their end. So even if humanity comes up with the short end of the stick with what's about to happen and is happening and has happened, that will see its end. Um, and you should know this. You should understand this. But the fat lady has not sung. And so many people who used to come and view my content and say, oh, well, you're just making stuff up and you're just a conspiracy theorist. And I would say, no, actually, it's all researched. And we tell you how we know what we know. Um, and they would still not accept it. So many of those people have come back. But not only that, there are hundreds of emails in my inbox saying, I can't believe it. I went back to episode 25. How did you know? And I, I say the same thing over and over and over. When you quit living in the fantasy world and you look at the world for what it is, it is not hard to know, not in the least. Mm. What's hard to do is to explain it to other human minds so they can understand. Well, there's going to be very few human minds after what's happened that don't have to face the light now. And what I will say is this. We will absolutely get what we deserve. In the United States... I was brought up being told that this was the home of the free and the brave. So I'll ask a simple question. Did we ever deserve that title, home of the free and the brave? For my part, I think we did. I think a lot of people lost their lives behind the ideas that are encapsulated in that expression. And I see a lot of people who have had it up to their eyeballs. So at the end of the day, and this is kind of a black and white view of things, we're about to see what we deserve, because if we stand up for better, we will get better. If we stand up for the rights of living men and women, then I suspect we will see that. If we cower like frightened children, then we're about to go through a bad cycle. But even if that happens, it too will see its end. And are you hopeful that we can, that we will avoid the bad cycle? Or do you think at this stage it's becoming almost inevitable, inevitable just because the claws of the control system are so tight around minds everywhere? What, what I see is things being done against the natural world. And the world is alive. We're all connected in this world. And even though we've fallen so far and so many of us have become so self-centered that we don't look out for each other, that we don't value another living thing as a damn miracle. And so many of us have forgot. I don't care if you're talking about a blade of grass, a worm, or a human being. There's life in all of those things. And if you can't recognize the, the literal miracle in that, then you've become a bit self-centered and you need to readjust and get back. And when you walk by another human being that needs help, if you do not give help, then you know who you are and you know what you are. If you can give help and you choose not to, then there's a sign that we're about to go to hell and back. If you do stop and help, then there's a sign that we're going to do better. For my part, I will live out the rest of my life doing the best I can, setting the best example I can, even unto the grave, because I understand that life does not end, that human beings have a divine spark. And that this is almost like a boot camp. Uh, it's, it's a cycle of hardship and necessity that we have to go through. 
It doesn't have to be as hard as it is all the time, but right now it is, and you have to do this. And if you graduate, well, then I imagine there's something more. But for my part, I will not let go of what I consider to be true and correct as I learned from perfection called nature, the godly idea of nature. I will defend that to my grave, even if I have to go to my grave to defend it. That's very powerful. We all hear all the time that nature provides, yet so many of us seem to look in the opposite direction. We look to these constructs, these anti-nature devices. We worship technology, we worship scientism, when it's always pushing us the opposite way to nature, which is the truth. Let's look at something like the internet. Who's to say that in civilizations past, or at some point in the past, we didn't have our own natural form of internet. It just seems to me that so much of what we embrace now from a technological point of view, which pushes us towards a transhumanist agenda, in my opinion, seems to be mimicking that which already exists in nature. And there's no place for humanity or that divine spark that you referenced in a non-natural world. But that is where we're headed, isn't it? It's retarding where we could have been, in my point of view, uh, here in the West, we're mostly taught that everything's linear. I don't accept that. I think the sky clock alone proves to us that we go through cycles. And any person who could remember back or have good, accurate accounts of the last long cycles would understand the possibilities of this cycle. And I think some of the people driving what's going on in the world have a good view of the last cycle, and they understand what the possibilities are right now. And much of that's derived from the sky clock. But if we get back to it, I would imagine, if I had to venture an educated guess, that sometime around the change of the millennium, when mine started to wake up and try to lift up to all this adversity that was going to try to crunch it back down, uh, I would ask a simple question. If we never would have got cell phones, would there be people in the world right at this very moment speaking mind to mind? Would there be no need for an internet? Would we be headed in that direction? Mm. For me, I think the answer is yes all day long. And I think the onset of some of these technologies is absolutely aimed at retarding uh, that uplift. And it's not just that. When you start to talk, oh, you're going to need a shot now. Well, why? Human beings have been here since human beings have been here. They never needed that. Why do we need it now? I'll tell you why. Because that is another tool in the arsenal of control and reduction. Um, right now, I think it's pretty clear. There's an actual full frontal push almost everywhere that we call the world to reduce the population and to retard the population. And to this point, there's been a lot of effort, successful effort made in this. But at the same time, think of how many people can no longer have to ask the question, um, is, are all these things I thought impossible really going on? Well, I think most of us realize this is really going on. Um, so what it's going to come down to is, are there enough people who have come back to some adult mindset uh, to help lead the way? Or are we all going down with the ship? I think that's where we're at. I'm not overly hopeful that there are enough adult minds because I think a lot of the minds that are coming through I mean young people are extremely capable we all have the ability we all have the divine spark to go in one direction or another but the guidance quite often leads us astray you know we, we've we've got all these 
these easy paths that we can take and a lot of people are directed in that through the education system or, or through popular culture, music, movies, whatever it might be. And I just look around at people who are younger than I am who have never known a world without the mobile phone to focus on that because it has come up a couple of times in this conversation. I can't see how the head is ever going to come out of the mobile phone. I can't see how social crediting won't be embraced, how the narcissistic tendencies that seem to have come to the fore through selfies, etc., etc., how that spell can be broken because it does seem like a spell. It seems like a form of magic or black magic or almost alchemy, which is, is. transforming the human mind. It is. There, there, there's no doubt. Uh, people just think that things happen culturally. I got news for you. Every bit of culture in my lifetime has been steered. There's been a full frontal engineering going on since long before I was alive. And when you get into the big events in history and you begin to understand why they happened, who facilitated them in happening, uh, this has always been going on for as far back as we can see. And where we can't see, it's because these very same organizations blocked our ability to know the real history. And the real history is probably something like humans were a hell of a lot happier and a hell of a lot higher minded and more in touch with nature, just a better way of being a human being. But you see, where we're headed, you can't allow others to know that that was possible. And that's a big part of it. But you think selfie just because some cultural thing happened, got called selfie? No. You've been programmed. You know how many selfies I've taken in my lifetime? Exactly zero. Because I was alive in the analog age. And the moment it went on, I was like, oh my word. Are, are we really, have we really become that self-centered where it's just me, 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 me? And then I saw the onset of rap and other things that just are so self-centered and lower-minded as to be infantile compared to the adults that I knew in my lifetime. Back in the 70s, I saw adults stand up in a room of many people and say, I'm sorry to tell you all this, but the wrong thing is going on here. And, and hold their ground and be willing to hold their ground because they knew what they witnessed was wrong. Well, we've become so self-centered, no one's got the nuggets to stand up in a room with 10 people in it and say what's going on here is the wrong thing. And yet that, too, is starting to change. In my forum, uh, I have endless people who have said things like, what's this mask thing? That's against our constitutional rights. How can you do this? Mm -hmm. And even though they're shouted down, they say, this is not a civics lesson. This is about human rights, and you're trampling on them. So all is not lost, but let me tell you something. Um, if the generation that they call millennials loses the majority of us, they're in big, big trouble because they have no reference. And there used to be a time in this world when the elders were respected. There are still places like Japan and some parts of Japan where the elders are recognized to hold critical knowledge and they are valued for that reason. Well, part of what we lost in the 60s when they broke the family unit and drugged the living bejesus out of Lord knows how many generations was that respect for the elders we were taught that what you do with your elders now is you warehouse them in an old folks home. Yeah. As a matter of fact, right now, you can have a grandmother that you can't even go visit, all based on nonsense. The point is, is if the generation that came to be in and around the millennium or the late 90s, when the last of people my age, and I'm in my upper 50s now are gone, you folks are going to be 
in dire straits if you have not learned from what we can offer. You've touched on something there, Crow, that strikes a chord with me um, when you use the term warehousing regarding nursing homes and the treatment of old people in so-called civilised Western society. I remember asking my mom a question. I don't know how, how long ago. I was maybe 10 years of age at the time, but I remember distinctly where I was when I came to the realization. Driving past a nursing home in the town that I grew up in, I remember asking what it was. And my mom said, well, it's a nursing home. Okay, well, what's that? Are people sick because there are nurses there? And she said, well, no, it's where a lot of old people go when they become too old to manage by themselves. And my immediate question to her then was, well, why don't the family help them? We've seen the industry of nursing homes just spring up. It's almost like, uh, and I do understand that there are some people who need extra help in latter years or whatever, but there are so many people who can't wait to get the parents out the door into the nursing home if they can afford it because it's just less hassle in the same way that so many people exactly self-centered call it it what it is it's the early self-centered program and that's been going on for decades my first job out of high school was in an old folks home my father was a professor at the college level he's a phd one of the smartest men i ever knew Mm. and when i left school early um it must have been one of the biggest shocks in his life and i think what he tried to do when he helped me get my first job which was in a nursing home was to show you without an education this is what you can look forward to but the biggest education in my life came from that nursing home Uh, i watched people die there for the first time at age 17 i watched them drugged until they were dead And I came to realize what's actually going on there. That is a version of self-centeredness, which dare not bear its name, where a family, so that they can conveniently live in their home and do the things they want to do, don't have to deal with mom and dad. That's a perversion of what the entirety of history can show what the human family unit did. And I learned there and then. And when my father died in 2005, I dropped every damn thing I had going on in the world. And I came here until he died in Rhode Island. I left San Diego and came here until he passed away. And I, I went broke. I lost everything. Hmm. And then I went home again. Well, here I am now again. You know why? Because I won't partake in this kind of sick programming that has convinced us all to live this self-centered existence. And I will do my best to hold up my end to be responsible to those I love, not just those I love, every human being that I ever see that I can help. If I can, I will, because that is the truth of this place. It is the truth of what nature shows us, whether you want to admit it or not. Does It's like he said, the truth is the truth, whether you want to recognize it or not. And we are all connected in this place. And this black magic spell that's covering our world right now it's like the never-ending story the nothing is coming it's because so many have been convinced to be self-centered because if you had a concern for others around you this little spell would not be so powerful but the sad truth is the anchor the foundation at the base of all this is the cell phone in your pocket and i'm guessing 80 percent of the people listening to my voice right now couldn't even imagine giving it up and by the way i have a phone It's starting to fail because I won't upgrade to 5G. And when it does fail, I will go to a clamshell that no longer texts, just makes emergency calls. And I have friends who have followed me for years who cannot believe that I would possibly do that. How will I contact you any moment of life that I need you? And I said, you pick it up and make a phone call. 
Um, but there it is. There's the reality of the situation. And what we find over and over is that for convenience and addiction, uh, we'll give up almost everything that was ever precious to a human life. That's exactly it. And I think one of the key things to note is the issue of consent, a term that's been bastardized or certainly diverted into an assumption that it is something that isn't as overarching as what true consent is. That being, am I willing to give my life force, my signature, my spark, whatever term people want to use for it to somebody else so that they can then use it for whatever purposes they want? And I think maybe the key to let's take the issue of a mandatory vaccine, if that comes in for argument's sake. And there will be many, many people who will be opposed to that. There'll be many people who will skip down to the local Merck factory, I'm sure, and ready to be injected. But let's put that aside for a second. For those that don't want a vaccine that might in law, and I'm not talking about natural law, obviously, this is man-made law and man-made law in most cases is illegal law as far as I'm concerned and is is anti-law capital letters in one instance and small in the other but anyway I think the key issue is the withdrawal of consent and it's it's almost like conditional acceptance of whatever is being thrown at us because one thing that I've found is a very powerful tool in life but especially when dealing with perceived authority is when you make clear that you are willing to accept whatever offer is being made to you but that you attach your own conditions to it. Quite a number of perceived impositions suddenly start to fall away. And I know that's simplifying a very complex and tricky situation. But when it comes to the law, I think it is imperative that people start to educate themselves because it is the iron fist of the law that will come crashing down. It'll be the fear of consequences that will intimidate a lot of people into acting against their will. So what are your thoughts on consent and what consent really means and how we can use consent, how we can withdraw or refuse to give it in the real world, in the natural world versus the man-made legal world? Well, first, you have to remember a thing that most people have forgotten. You, in fact, are a living human being you're not a corporation. There is a corporation in your name, but you, the living, breathing human being listening to me, is a living man or a woman. That living man or a woman has the divine spark, and with the divine spark came freedom of will, free choice, free will. And you can prove that if you don't believe me. Go to your front door, open it up, and decide. Will you turn left, right, go straight, sit where you are, or go back into the house? There is your undeniable proof that you have free will. If you give up your free will, then you've given up what it means to have the divine spark. And what's gonna happen here is impositions like vaccines will probably become mandatory, but the truth is it's an offer and you don't have to accept offers. The sad part about these offers is likely if you don't accept the offer, there will be all these other hassles that prevent you from doing things you'd like to do, like travel or who knows. But If you simply recognize that the people running the world cannot violate universal law, which is why they don't just put bayonets on, force everyone to do everything, that's a violation of universal law. And there's apparently a heavy price to pay. So what they actually do is they fool you into giving up your divine spark and your right to free will. And they couch offers as if you were legally bound. You can pick up your car insurance and you will notice at the top it says, here's the offer. And you would say, well, wait a minute. 
I have to have auto assurance or I can't have a license. Well, mm. those things too are offers. What you can do is say, I would be happy to take that shot if you can demonstrate beyond dispute that it won't harm me. If you can demonstrate that it is actually needed in a meaningful way. If you can demonstrate that it will stop a supposed sickness. All these conditions you can put on it, which clearly cannot be met because we all know the truth about what's actually going on. And at that point, the liability that was on you because the offer was made to you is reversed back onto the person making the offer. And this is alchemical in its nature. Um, what it is, is it's pulling you to the crossroads. And what people don't understand is the crossroads is the basis for the entirety of modern existence. A crossroads is like an X on a map or a cross where two roads cross over. When you come to a crossroads, as a matter of fact, you have to make a choice. Even if you do not make a choice, you have still made a choice. Yeah. There is no way out of that, I guess I could call it a trap, but that situation. You have to turn left, you have to turn right, you have to go straight, you have to go back the way you came, or there are two other options. You can sit there till you die, which is basically like the other option. I choose not to make a choice, which is still making a choice. So there are five overall options. This is the idea of earth, air, fire, water, ether. That's why the crossroads is the way it is. Every single portion of your life where you are faced with new information, you've been dragged to the crossroad. And that's why the news and the television are so harmful to you. And that's why all new information can be harmful to you. Because the average person just takes it and lets someone else decide what's going to happen at the crossroad. If you're an adult human being, every single time information or a choice is put before you, you should instantly understand I'm a human being with the divine spark and I now have to exercise free will because I have no other choice and I have to decide what I will do. And if I make a bad decision, then the outcome is not going to be beneficial. As a matter of fact, it could be dire. Um, these are the things we need to keep in mind. Uh, everything that's done in the modern era is in fact an offer, even though it might not appear like it. The divine spark, I think, is what must be protected in us at all times. It's almost like our key to everything. It's how we access our higher minds. It's how we open our hearts. It's how we become holistic beings at one with nature as opposed to in opposition to nature. And all of the impositions that we are seeing and have seen throughout humanity, I would imagine, it's about suppressing the divine spark, isn't it? So, for example, when people think they don't have a choice, oh, I have to uh, get a license to drive the car. Well, you don't. You may have consequences if you decide to not get a license and go out and drive and come across some guy in fancy dress or whatever it might be. But you still have the choice as to what it is you want to do. And I, th I think for me, one of the things I certainly try to do in my life as best I can is to always make the right choice. And that might sound extremely simplified, but it's not always an easy thing to do because of the programming that so many of us have been brought up into. Um, like to make the right choice does mean making sacrifices in this world and increasingly will. To take the example of myself, I travel a lot internationally with my job. A couple of people have asked me, well, you're not interested in getting a vaccine if one comes along, John. So what are you going to do about your job? How are you going to do your job? Well, it's very, very simple. Would I prefer 
to sacrifice my divine spark for some creature comforts or for some idea that I had in a linear timeline in my head, a goal or whatever it might be? Or would I rather protect that divine spark and adapt? And if that means not traveling, not going from A to B and staying where I am and making the best of that, well, so be it. Because for me, the divine spark is to be protected at all costs. And I take that to an extreme. And this might sound like extremism on my part, but I think when it comes to something as fundamental to the core and the essence of what we are, as beings, and I mean that on a vibrational level as well as a physical level, I think it is to be protected at all costs, whatever the consequences. Would you agree with that, Crow, or do you think I am being extremist? No, that's my point of view. Um, I'm not coming to the end of the road of this lifetime having given up what makes me a human being, carrying the divine spark, what makes me an adult living man named Crow, uh, not giving that up for love or money or any other thing. Uh, when I face the end of this lifetime, I will do so in good conscience, um, uh, regardless of the mistakes I made when I was young. Uh, this, this, There's more than this. And uh, maybe we could sum this up as if you looked at this life as a grade in school, you want to pass or you want to fail and think about what passing or failing entails. And also consider this, is it possible that the kind of dark hearts that are imposing this nonsense everywhere that now own all the corporations and the banks, the information systems, do you suppose that they still have a passport? Can they still go on from here? I've wondered for a long time if this is as far as they go. This is the whole enchilada for them. Because why else wouldn't you? How could it be anything but that if you knew that the human spark goes on beyond this? Mm that it's immortal. Is it possible to lose your passport? Is it? I can't answer that for you, but logically, I have a pretty good idea about what I think is going on. For me, I wouldn't surrender that passport with a gun in my face. For me, protecting the divine spark and the things that we know are true and correct is above all other things. And let me tell you something. If you lose your life, nobody wants to do that. But do you want to lose more than your life? I'm just asking. Well, that's the thing. And most of us believe that there is something beyond this life. I certainly do. I can only speak for myself, but um, I get the impression that that view is shared by many people. But people really do need to walk the walk. The intent is nothing without the action. And the action can mean some very harsh physical consequences, potentially. But at the end of the day, there was a term that sprung to mind as you were speaking there, and that was selling your soul. We often hear about people selling their soul to the devil or whatever it might be. At the crossroads, by the way, of course. Well, there you go. Exactly. At the crossroads. And I mean, people can look even deeper. We referenced pop culture early on. Look at Robert Johnson and people like that and the, the idea of crossroads and we see crossroads and crosses everywhere we look, be it X Factor or be it on the front of a church. It doesn't really matter. We see it everywhere. The symbolism is what it is. But it really is pertinent, I think, to be mindful of the fact that if there is a resonance within us, that there's something on the other side of this kind of five sense reality, for want of a better term, and this life that we have. Well, presumably we all want that. and We want to ascend to that level. So... Isn't it pertinent that we do everything we can to attempt to do that? And that, that boils down to one simple thing. It can be difficult 
to exercise, but it is a simple concept, and that is to do right. To do right by nature, because nature, as you said correctly earlier, will always tell the truth. There is no lie in nature. Right. It's a, it's a simple way to frame this is to ask a simple question so that each mind of every living man and woman listening can decide for themselves. Does doing the right thing matter? Does telling the truth matter? Does being righteous matter? For lack of better terms, does trying to be godly matter in this lifetime? If you just answered no to that, then for me, all meaning is lost here. And it doesn't matter what happens next. It just becomes gradations of what we like or don't like. Mm. In fact, if those things do matter, then you're looking at the crux of everything. Because all these tidal waves coming down right now are trying to do the very simple thing called divide and conquer. And that by its definition is wrong. It is not, it's nothing you could bless. It's nothing you could be proud of, right? On its face, you understand what divide and conquer is. It's, an, it's might over right. It is strength in positioning itself over those who don't have the same level of strength. So the reverse of that is to actually understand that being truthful does matter. It has always mattered. It is the basis for every religious tradition or spiritual tradition that has ever existed in this world. And every one of those traditions told you why it was important. So I'll simply say this. Each one of us is going through death's doors and each one of us is doing it alone. And it is nothing to be afraid of. And you know how we know that? Because every single thing that's ever lived has died, period. Whether it's a plant, a turtle, or a human being, we all have our span of years here and we all go on to what's next. Do you want to face that moment with no pride, with no respect for the life you've lived, with no ability to say, I did my darndest to do what was right, truthful, righteous, godly, however you want to phrase it? Does it matter? It's a simple question, but once you know the answer to that question, it means a lot. And by the way, this is much of what we're banking on. If there are enough people left in the world who think it does matter, then I suspect we'll see an outcome we can live with. I think it's a very good place to start to wrap things up here. One thing I would like to touch on before we do that, though, is the concept of revelation of the method, because you've implied that I, I think it's very, very interesting, actually, and quite revelatory when you said, well, do these controllers, for want of a better word, have a passport? Did they give up their passport? Did they sell their soul? Are they soulless entities? It would certainly explain a lot of the behavior and what's going on around us and has gone on for such a long time and the long game that's being played. Maybe there is no journey for them to, to take anymore. Yeah. Why else would you want to be immortal with the use of a machine? But anyhow, sorry for interrupting. No, exa but that's, that's exactly it. That would explain transhumanism in a nutshell. That would explain yep. why seemingly people, if we want to call them that, want to implant their consciousness into an inorganic creation that is anti-nature. And they're, they're telling us every step of the way that this is what they're going to do. And that, that's what I mean with revelation of the method. Do you think that is some sort of universal law that exists is it a natural law that means that there's no karmic retribution or karmic consequence for those that are acting in an anti-natural manner like what is the story with us being constantly told this is going to happen this is going to happen we mightn't see it all the time but with hindsight when we look backwards whether it's healthy or not to do it we do look back quite a lot and we see well yeah that was shown to us 
be it through pop culture or be it through something else. It's something it, that I think about a lot, but I never quite fully grasp it. Is it to do with karma, do you think? Of course it is. It's all to do with karma because nobody can violate the universal law of another, which means if you impede someone's freedom of choice, then you have violated universal law. And that's why we see all the fakery. Like right now, fear is being used to get people to give up their right to choose. Um, that's your choice. If you if you allow yourself to be so afraid you give up your rights, well, then you just sold your spark for, damn, cost of a piece of chewing gum because you were afraid. Uh, by the way, adults... They may know fear, but it does not master them. Children are mastered by fear. That's one of the big differences. But to get back to the point, um, revelation of method is a kind of mentally deranged way of collecting consent in the minds of those who are doing wrong. And what it does is it bases its presupposition that somehow it washes the slate clean for them, which I don't accept. Um that they have not violated your universal rights and that you gave your consent. And it's based in an old common law idea, which is closely, more closely aligned with natural or God's law, for lack of better terms. And in common law, if something goes on that you don't agree with and yet you take no meaningful action, then what you end up being classified as having given your tacit permission. Mm. So that's an idea from common law. So as an example, JFK is a prime example. I've said for years, when the open revelation of method for JFK is given, uh, we'll be in a terrible place because that will be viewed as, yeah, we did this fake thing. Yeah, the consequences were major. Yeah, you all know about it. But look, not any of you in a meaningful number stood up to do anything meaningful and therefore you've all given us your permission, which is the most powerful thing we're after, your permission, your acceptance of the offer. But I'm here to tell you, hiding little hints and clues in movies and other nonsensical places does not rise to the level that the divine spark requires. These things are done in the light of day, like here. You can see me, I can see you. Let's make a contract. What that implies is a meeting of the minds. What that implies is that both contracting parties totally understand the agreement being made. And that is not what's going on in this pre-echoing and coding, um, finally letting you know that 9-11 was fake, but nobody did anything meaningful. Therefore, you're all okay with it. Well, I'm here to say, no, I'm not okay with any of it. And by the way, you can't force me to have to take actions when I just told you I'm not okay with it. Just because I don't go to court and file papers or do whatever you would think is a meaningful action. Sorry, you're not in control of me. I am a divine living man and I have stated openly, I don't agree or accept any of it. And I don't agree to any contract and I make my own decisions. Um, that's what I've openly said right along, but nonetheless, this is going on. The, revel of, the, the misuse of alchemy with the revelation of method is happening all the time where they're letting you know. Like 9-11 is a perfect example. Pretty much everybody knows what that was about at this point. There's your revelation of method. That act was designed with the intention that everyone would know sooner or later what it actually was, and then they would collect all that so-called tacit permission, which I do not accept as a legitimate argument or any clearing of some karmic slate 
I don't accept it for a second. You want an agreement from me, you come to me in the light of day and you ensure that not only you understand what we're agreeing to, but I understand. There is a meeting of the minds. And what all the rest of this nonsense is, is just ways to undermine and loopholes and man-made perversions of ways to try to get away with things that can't be admitted openly. As we've spoken for the last over an hour, whatever length of time it is, Crow, we've spoken about the Wizard of Oz because we've described the straw man or the scarecrow. We've described the tin man. We've described the lion and courage and all the things that are needed to show and demonstrate that divine spark that is within all of us. And we can see the wizard in Oz and all his bells and whistles and his flying monkeys and everything else that he has to distract us from what we really need to do. And that really is to look within and it is to find that divine spark, separate ourselves from the straw man because we're not a straw man. We're not a scarecrow. We are human beings and we do have courage if we're willing to remember what courage is and we do have hearts and we do have brains and minds and when we put them all together we are far greater than the sum of those parts and we absolutely transcend anti-nature or any non-natural entity or being or creation in my opinion and I think that is the key or certainly what I have gleaned from this conversation with you Crow and I consistently glean that kind of deep message from the work that you do with Jason and with Rose and through your podcast uh, crow777radio.com I have to say I, I really thank you for the work that you do because you have you've stirred something deep within me over the past number of years through listening to the work that you do and the way that you present it that has forced me to question everything to look inside myself and to seek the answers in there as opposed to looking for some kind of guru who will tell me the way things are. And I love the way every time I hit you with a question today, and it was the same when we last spoke, I'll hit you with a question and you force me to to become introspective again. You don't necessarily present me with the answers, but you do provide a framework wherein I can suddenly start to find those answers for myself. And I hope that's reflected in the listenership as well and that they they glean that from it also. But on a personal level, that's the value that I place in your work. And without the work that you do, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to do it to the level that I do. And I don't always articulate myself in the way that I would like when we're on air. But I want to thank you for that. Well, thanks. It's my sincerest hope that in a couple of years we can do this again and we can look back and say it mattered. That is my sincerest hope. Um, and I'm just an old guy. I'm, I'm not a star. I'm not any different than anyone else. But I need each of you. And we all need each other. And The Wizard of Oz, that's the perfect allegory for a reason. Um, it just is. And by the way, those people were frightened until Toto, that little dog, showed them what was actually behind the curtain. Yeah. It's no different than the world we're in right now. Um, who's going to be the Toto? Who's going to step up? Who's going to show? Um, there's no reason to be afraid. And by the way, I will maintain as we end this conversation that one of the biggest differences between children's and adults is children are very easily frightened when put in a dark room. And even though adult may know fear in that situation, it, it does not master them. And by the way, I've known heroic people and to a person, they will all admit they were afraid, but it did not constitute the control of what they know needed to be done that's where we are now but at the base of everything if you help 
every other living being you come into, that's a big step away from the self-centered requirement that's pushing this darkness. Crow, how can people find more of your information? Tell us about the website, where to find you, the podcast, etc. All right. The only place I announce now um, is just my private server that I run so that I don't fall under censorship in any meaningful way. Not, not that there should be a reason. We don't say anything that needs to be censored, actually. But it's crow777radio.com. That's C-R-R-O-W-777radio.com. There are a number of fraud sites that are out there doing bad things. Um, and apparently PayPal and others are refusing to do anything about it. So, again, it's crow777radio.com. And we run the whole thing, lock, stock, and barrel. We even serve the content. And we'll keep it up as long as we're able. Uh, I don't think there's much else that matters right now. Uh, but trying to do something that is positive, something respectful, something you can go to your grave being proud of. And that's what that represents for me. I have the power. You have the power. We have the power. Crow Triple Seven. thank you for joining me. Thank you for resonating so strongly, as you always do. It's been a huge pleasure on Alchemy today. Cheers, man. Thanks for having me. And I'd like to wish you a happy healthy and higher minded you're ahead man cheers I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Alchemy if you find value in the work that we do and the shows that we bring to you feel free to donate you can do it through PayPal and Patreon and all the usual places the links are on our website and thank you very much if you are inclined to do just that we'll be back very very soon and I look forward to it already I have the power you have the power we have the power. Alchemy. Care. Will. Intelligence. Imagination. Alchemy. Alchemy. Are you chunked? 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 We're big city kids now We kept the country sales Late night on the beach boat naked Swords in the air, I can taste it But we're big city kids now Look at the past we created My world give me signs I believe in Clear vision we're achieving 2020 Never shut down, never weaken My world give me signs I believe in Clear vision like a beacon 2020 Never shut down, never weaken Every now and then when I feel alone Did these country lanes to leave me in the backseat of a taxi bus No broken hearts for a life we lost Squad on deck, it's a lovely bus Tuned into the world and it lifts me up My bro gave me signs I believe in Told me 2020 we're achieving He said go on kid Now we shut down every weekend My bro gave me signs I believe in Told me 2020 we're achieving He said go on kid Never shut down every weekend
to these country roads Came up on the path are strong and bold Oh, it all to these country roads 2020 clear vision on a quest for gold My world give me signs of believers Clear vision like a beacon 2020 Never shut down, never weaken